Welcome to Talks at Stellenbosch Uni, Stellenbosch University's podcast where we talk about current topics and innovative research done at the university. Today we will be talking to Dr. Mornay Mostert. He is the Director of the Institute for Future Research at Stellenbosch University. Dr. Mostert, thank you for joining us today. Great to be with you, Stephen. So we've seen the social unrest in South Africa over the last two weeks. Uh, things seem to have calmed down, but many people and companies have to start rebuilding. You have been working on alternative approach to recovery. What do you mean by a new model for recovery? Well, it's very interesting, Stefan. The South African society has been through a number of major shifts. If you just think about the democratic transition and you you think about, let's just jump ahead, think, think about uh, COVID and now think about the social unrest. We've had these enormous crises and of course, this happens at a national level, but it also happens at an institutional level, at an organizational level. Companies, you know, are born and and they ultimately die uh, because they're not able to respond meaningfully to a crisis. So I became very interested in the idea of how individuals, companies, societies, teams, leaders and so on, could be a little bit more creative and imaginative in their response to the recovery from these major crises. And one of the things that struck me is that there's an awful lot of talk of resilience in times of crisis. Resilience, of course, is a very valuable idea. It means a sort of bounce back, right, that you recover. Just think about the language. The downside of that is that Resilience, even if you are successful, very often brings you back to where you were before the crisis started. And so the really critical question here is, how happy were you with the dispensation before the start of the crisis? In other words, is that something worth returning to? Now, if you think of South Africa, the answer to that is probably no. I definitely agree with you that the answer is definitely no. But what do you mean by prosalience? So if you think about resilience as the idea that you work towards returning to, uh, in technical speak, the status quo ante, the, the situation before this, the crisis started. If resilience is going back to the state you were in before the crisis hit, but that state was already unsatisfactory. Well, then you have this important weight on your shoulders to respond with innovation, with creativity. And so instead of resilience, this idea was developed of prosilience. In other words, the idea that there's nevertheless a kind of bouncing back, but it has much more to do with bouncing forward. So prosilience rather than resilience. And that means that you can think about the redesign of yourself during the recovery process. So we can already hear politicians, even some business people at the moment, talk about this idea of how we have to get back to the kind of levels where we were before COVID. People are talking about getting back to normal. In the social unrest, the insurrection, people are talking about getting back to the levels of peace and so on that we had before the civil unrest hit us. But in fact, in both cases, 
In both cases, those situations were highly unsatisfactory. And so pro-resilience is really a call to leaders to reinvent themselves, their societies, their institutions during the recovery process. I really find this fascinating. It's almost a low-hanging fruit that's right in front of us to say, let's make things better. Let's do things differently. Who would you say is this model for and who can you use it? Well, you're exactly right. In in fact, the the mind plays a terribly cruel trick on us when we're faced with a crisis. In fact, the default psychological reaction to a crisis is to go into a word we now all know very well, which is lockdown. And the same applies to your creativity and to your intellect during a crisis. It goes into lockdown. And that means that you're essentially limited to the options that you had when the crisis hit. You know, the English expression is batten down the hatches. So this kind of protectionist, knee-jerk, emotional search for certainty is the worst possible mental state you could have uh, at the time when what you need is creativity and innovation. So this model of resilience is relevant to leaders, those with influence, those at higher uh, levels of decision-making, everybody who's responsible for significant decision-making in response to a crisis situation. And that can be uh, the head of an institution, a a CEO, it can be a a president, but it can also be the head of a family, the captain of a sports team, whatever social system you may be working with, this model uh, is of value to you if you're part of that decision-making process. And what it really offers is a kind of navigation through a recovery process that moves beyond a return to the status quo ante as a kind of guide to reinvention, creativity and innovation. Think about it like this. If the previous model was not working, why should we be working to return to it? Prosilience offers an alternative. I hear you, but I think a lot of companies would feel that they don't need a pro-resilience approach. The, things were going well. They, yeah. Everything was well. Yes, people came and burned down my shop, but my shop actually did well. Where do most companies, yeah. do you feel, go wrong with their recovery models? Yeah, it's such a, a, a great question. I, I, I think that we have very short memories. And you know, as, as futurists, as practitioners of strategic foresight, we're very curious about how people conceive of the past, the present and the future. And one of the ideas, one of the kind of intellectual mistakes decision makers make about the past is a kind of romanticization of the past. So to use your word, you know, I, I had the shop and actually things were going well. Well, if things were going so well, then in fact, you would be resistant to the kind of crisis that you just experienced. So what that tells you is, in fact, it was a false success. It was always a highly vulnerable success story. So most organizations have this idea of the basics. You know, when when crises hit, they want to go back to basics. But of course, the idea of basics is fraught with all kinds of difficulty. For one thing, there's very seldom consensus on what the basics actually are. But really, the most important dilemma with the basics is that they don't come from the future. They come from the past, a time which you will never revisit. 
and a set of principles that have already proven themselves to be unresilient to the challenges of the present. So why should the basics be a set of principles to which you'd like to return? Of course, this is problematic in a country like South Africa, where people get a lot of their power. Many people get their power from the past. South Africa is, in my humble view, not a very futures-oriented society. We have, I think, a disproportionate dialogue about debates of the past. Now, of course, of course, this can introduce a sensitive debate. But if we were already dissatisfied with where we were, and it's difficult to remember before COVID hit just how dissatisfied South Africans were with our society, well, bearing in mind that level of dissatisfaction, a golden opportunity now to be creative. In other words, Brazilians encourages us to not step into the default psychological and intellectual trap of searching for the certainty of the past during a crisis when what is needed is creativity and innovation towards building the future we want. Just just uh, sort of anecdotally, it's it's one of the reasons why we like watching action movies. You know, the, the hero is kind of in a crisis. He's up against the challenge. And what any normal human being would do is simply lock the door and hide and hope for the crisis to go away. Well, our beloved hero opens the door, bursts forth into the crisis, and with great agility, with enormous innovation, with tremendous creativity, finds a way to nevertheless navigate that crisis and indeed save not only himself but some of the others around him. It's why we find it so appealing because it's completely counterintuitive to how we deal with a normal crisis, a kind of default security search which unfortunately reduces the creativity that's so desperately needed at the time. Uh, I like the example you gave there but Many of the people I just mentioned, some shops or owners say, yeah, it actually went well. But then there's others that that don't have anything anymore, that lost everything during this. This approach that you're talking about, is it is it a general thing or is there a recovery process or what would you suggest? Yeah. Actually, uh, what we've done, Stefan, is to develop a step-by-step process. Of course, we know the world is utterly complex and that you know simple little linear processes don't work in a hyper complex world which we're facing today but nevertheless leaders need some kind of navigational process and so what's been designed is a is a 10 step process it doesn't have to be linear in other words follow this kind of cycle that i'm about to describe but it highlights some of the key dimensions and so just very briefly let me run through some of them you know, as a starting point, we say create some distance or remove remove the crisis. And of course, South Africa did quite well there with COVID, did not so well in its immediate response to the civil unrest. In other words, you know, allowed the problem to continue for far too long. And so agility is really required in that first reaction. Then you move into a stage of conscious care. And it's going to be interesting to see whether leadership in South Africa and in institutions in South Africa, not only at a national level, will think about how do we stop and rest and secure the situation? Think about how slow we were to get the military out. But conscious care is now required in South Africa, including care, for example, for foreign direct investors, for the business community, who are already thinking about, you know, divesting from South Africa, unfortunately. 
That's followed by what we call a kind of thermodynamic rebalance. It sounds a little bit theoretical, but actually what I did here is to look at various recovery models from other kinds of crises. So, you know, as an example, I looked at sports recoveries, um, rehabilitation from drugs and alcohol, um, you know, how, uh, how the body recovers uh, when it's under stress, how natural ecosystems recover. I looked at a number of these kind of recovery systems and it was clear um, that from all of those recovery processes, you need a kind of thermodynamic rebalance. And what that means is that you need to rebalance the mood of the society. Now, unfortunately, in South Africa, we already have ministers debating whether this was in fact an insurrection or not. And so there, I think we're not doing terribly well in uh, what you might call reducing the kind of national emotional inflammation. From there, you go into a, a, a kind of diagnostic of what actually happened here. And of course, it's, it's a complex situation, so always caused by more than one thing. But you, you try now, uh, now that you've created distance, some conscious care and some thermodynamic rebalance, you want to diagnose what actually happened here and, and you want to give some basic prescriptions for what can be done, uh, give some refueling to the economy, for example, in our case. And then we go into the hardcore stuff around resilience, which is uh, starting uh, with, the, with what we call pro-resourcing. In other words, this is not just about funding things that were damaged during the crisis, because that would be classical resilience, right? Bouncing back to where we were. But pro-resourcing, in other words, resourcing the future, inventing yourself as you are recovering. And that language continues throughout the model. So from pro-resourcing to pro-generation, pro-habilitation rather than rehabilitation. Again, preparing yourself, pro-constructing rather than reconstructing. In other words, building with the future in mind. Then into what we call pro-synthesis rather than resynthesis. In other words, putting the thing together in a very different way, constructing your society or your family or your business in a very different way from simply the patterns of the past. Then bearing in mind that there will be scarring, and it, it's tragic, Stefan, but there will be multi-decadal economic and psychological social scarring as a result of both COVID, the response to it, as well as from the civil unrest that we've seen. And the final two steps are about what we call prevention. So rather than prevention, um, the idea that you build a learning uh, responsive system so that you can have early warning systems for where these crises might hit in the future. And then finally, what we call the new paradigm. Um, in, in technical language, what we call self-organizing systems, where the society has a kind of inbuilt wisdom that works towards um, teleology. In other words, the kind of society that we want. So that gives you a kind of circular system from distance to conscious care to thermodynamic rebalance, pro-hydration, pro-structuring, pro-generation, pro-synthesis, scarring um, and the response to that, prevention, and finally, self-organization. So this enables um, a, a leader to think, where are we in our recovery process? How are we doing? Are we covering all these steps? Or are we simply reverting to what we were before the crisis hit? I think you've mentioned it right throughout our discussion, but how do you think companies 
and society will think about their next crisis having implemented this approach? Well, I, I think let's consider the negative for a moment. If they don't, they will essentially be reinventing the past. Tragically, that means that even if you are successful, you will be reconstructing a past that wasn't working in the first place. A model like ProSilience recognizes the fact that we are in a hyper complex era where both the frequency and the severity of crises will increase. We're not in the business of making predictions, but that you can say with a very high level of probability. And so we really need approaches to recovery that are much more inspired by creativity and innovation rather than a reversion to a failed past. I think the positive thing is that as we develop alternative models for recovery in hyper-complex crises, it starts to present the idea to us that alternative, more preferable futures are in fact possible, no matter how deep the crisis. So this is really some food for thought. Where can people get hold of this model? Where can people get hold of you? How would they go about implementing this model further? Stefan, we're already using the model uh, in our advisory work uh, with clients in in various places in the world. People can make uh, direct contact with me. We also share uh, a lot of information on on our website, uh, as well as on our, our social media pages, and people can simply look for um, uh, for my name, or they can look for the Institute for Futures Research. We also uh, share a, a lot of this information on, on my academia page, and people are very welcome to, uh, to have a look at the information we share there for free. Great stuff. Thank you very much, Dr. Mostert. I really appreciate it. This has been insightful and all the best for the future. Real pleasure to be, uh, to be with you, Stefan, and, and thanks for raising these important matters in our society. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Follow all the latest Stellenbosch University news at www.sun.ac.za or follow us on all the largest social media platforms.